Bitch in Berlin. Bitch in Berlin. What have I been up to this week? Let's find out. This week, I met up with Christine Sweeney, who runs Capital Comedy, and we recorded it in a sauna, because why not? Uh, so, yeah, let's listen to that. But first, her rant. I'd like to rant about the most successful non-Disney animated film of all time, An American Tale, directed by Steven Spielberg. Specifically, I'd like to discuss the feature soundtrack song, Somewhere Out There. Somewhere Out There is a duet performed by Fifel Mouskowitz and his sister, Tanya Mouskowitz. They're separated during their emigration from Imperial Russia to Manhattan in the 19th century. The song begins. Somewhere out there, beneath the pale moonlight, someone's thinking of me and loving me tonight. And here's an audio clip. Adorable, heartfelt, two faraway siblings wishing on the same bright star. It's about love, it's about loss, it's about family. I take no issue with this. I take issue with the sexed up erotic ballad performed by Linda Ronstadt and James Ingrid played during the film's credits. Here's a clip. As you can hear from that clip, it oozes sex, it oozes intrigue, it oozes eroticism, which is fine. I have no issue with those things. What I do have an issue with is taking this song and then distorting it to um, romanticize long-distance relationships. And let me also be clear, both Linda Ronstadt and James Ingram are talented artists. They had great success in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Now, if they did this as a standalone song, great. But they're taking it and they're remapping a sweet child mouse song, again, about family and love and loss, and they just turn it into this weird, like, thing where it's they're both, if you watch the music video, they're these two animators longing for each other from these, like, amazing, like, late 80s, animator studios across Manhattan um, and they're looking out windows and there's uplighting. It's really sweet and great and not sweet. Also like sexed up as you can hear from their voices. Um, but it's just, it's just wrong. Like if I'm a kid going to see uh, an American tale, I want to see the sweet children mouse. I don't want to see these two go out, go at it from across town and come together. It sends the wrong message um, to these children that somehow long distance relationships will work out. I don't know. This is like, I'm totally digressing, but my problem is of Linda Ronstadt and James Ingram's version of Somewhere Out There. Please just don't take my word for it. Please watch both clips of the original animated an American tale and contrast that with the Linda Ronsett and James Ingram version. 
um, clips. They're both available on YouTube. Thank you very much for listening. Yeah, so uh, you look quite quiet. Well, I don't know, are you speaking down? Or is that oh, I can, I can talk louder. Just if I have to? Yeah, it's a, obviously it's out there now, so I think how you speak before, it wouldn't probably wouldn't pick it up. I was really interested in the fraternity side. You said you just like got bored after a year, you wasn't going to, you just got fed up with like having those social lives. So for a year, you like was a fraternity, but like actually like was then just for the third year, it was like, nah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know what that's like, not wanting to be in a fraternity or sorority, but then being like, but how else do I meet people? Did you join it as well? Because it didn't used to be just the guys, but now women can join? Greek life in the US is very weird. So, what life? Uh, it's called Greek life. Why? Greek? I don't know. Oh, okay. I think they try to trace like the traditions of it, okay. too. So it's like, and the, the names of them are part of the Greek alphabet, so like alpha, beta, alpha. Oh yeah, but we have that. Yeah, that's true. We got that too, actually. And they're, yeah, they're social. So you have fraternities are all men, and sororities are all women. Ah, okay. And, oh, that's and it's a weird social thing. It's big in the South, where you have more like conventional social traditions. And it's like, they're clubs. They're social clubs. So what? Do the soror sororities have like the same sort of like uh, tasks? <laughs> like the hazing? Do, do the women's one? They have that too? So, okay. I grew up in a family that like sororities and fraternities weren't a thing. Like my parents didn't do it, my siblings okay. didn't do it. Um, and I went to a university in the South, yeah. which had these like southern traditions. Right. So I moved there and then all of a sudden I was introduced to this like Greek culture. <laughs> and so I didn't know, but I never was comfortable around like big groups of people. Mm. You know, like being in a club. Yeah. But it's like well, this is what we do, this is what everyone does. You have like if you're not in this then you don't have social life. There's yeah. No parties. That's what they were telling me. And I, I thought because I read about it in books, like reading Lou Reed, I've read other uh, celebrities, and I just thought it was like a past thing. I was like, it still exists? That's crazy. And there's so many problems with it. Like, a lot of the culture of it clashes with this, like, renewed interrogation of, like, gender norms. <laughs> so, yeah, like, sure. for example, a lot of schools, um, technically, only fraternities can have parties. Yeah. Because they don't think it's safe for like sororities to have parties, like a bunch of women have parties. Yeah. Um, where I went to school in a, in New Orleans, they still have these old rules on the books where if more than three women live in a house together without a man, it's considered a brothel. <laughs> like that is the law. So the sororities, like, they you can't like live in a house together. That's um, like, Yeah. It's but it's okay if there's a man because there's a pimp. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> then it's like a business and we support capitalism, so. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Because, like, I've heard about, like, some of the politicians in England, like, have this kind of, like, thing of they have to do things to be accepted in this group. But I think it's more, I don't know if it still exists because, like, 
I mean, I've met people from Cambridge University and Oxford University, and it's not like I don't. I think it's just like a, a real like if you're already in this rich club, it's not like I don't know. I, I like I said, I've met people, and they haven't talked about this kind of. It's normal. It just seems to be like this private school more thing rather than like university. I went to university, we didn't have it, so you know. Um, but even in Cambridge I don't think they have this thing. Um, and yeah, I was speaking to them and they said like, they think it's also because a lot of the universities are um, just out in the middle of nowhere. So it's, whereas like even small, like if you don't have social life at university, you can just get on a train. You're in another city, and, you know, I mean, you're not secluded at all, so I guess there's less pressure. And also the drinking age. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big thing. Yeah, you start when yeah. you're 18, which is underage, so if you want to be drinking, you have to go to parties. Yeah. To go to parties, you have to access this like, social yeah. network. So it's so interesting. Um, yeah. Um, so, yes, you work, you, uh, so what is it you do? You edit for a baby for, what did you say? So I do all the writing and editing for a startup. Yeah. So people, some people, or companies, tech companies, they just don't want to deal with, like, writing. Okay, words. <laughs> so they have, we'll have, like, some to write and copy edit. Okay, cool. Yeah, and um, is that what you, did you, did you want to become a writer? Yes. Well, I used to work in international development. Okay. That was my past life in the States. I worked um, doing international development in South America. Yeah. And I did that for a while and I traveled and it was fine, but I, it wasn't for me in the end. Um, and then I worked for the government, which is boring. <laughs> the, sorry, in uh, British government or America? American. You're right, okay, so this is when you're still in America. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, well, how do I change everything? Obviously, go to graduate school. Okay, so you did become part of a sorority. Oh, no, no, I did, uh, I, well that is, no, that's way back Okay. when right. I was in my undergraduate degree. Ah, you're talking about a, like a post-grad, when you said grad school just now. Yes. Right, okay, yeah. I see. So that's when I moved to the UK. Right, and masters. Yeah. yeah. And I really liked it. Um, and I did gender media representation. Okay. So that was interesting. It was learning how to like articulate everything that is fucked up in the media in terms of like representation of women. And yeah. Um, and I really liked that. I liked being in that environment. Um, and she just kind of like to critique things yeah. without having to like, mm, you just get to talk to people and write 
and read yeah. about things you care about, which is really I was just thinking, like, I know it's not really comparable, but it might be an interesting question. But definitely not a, a simple question. If you had to try and separate it, like, what would you say has more issues? I don't know, problems, complications, whatever we want to look at it. Like, sexism or racism? <laughs> Which I know that they're, it's not, like, they're separate. But. Yeah, I mean, they... The problems people face, the specific problems, and obviously the people facing those problems, are different, but because of, we can talk about the concept of intersectionality, where you can't separate them. Like, a world that has yeah, sure. racism also will have sexism and vice versa. It's like the, the prejudice of saying, you, because you are like this, and you were born this way, um, I have all of these preconceptions of you. And of course, those preconceptions in our world today are mainly race and gender. So they're, it's all bad. Yeah, no, I was just um, an open question, very open question to see what comes out of it. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, yeah. it's hard. You have, you, I mean, I have, of course, like a lot of privilege white woman, I experience, or I observe sexism, and then I do my best to try to understand and like listen to um, the, the unique, obviously, ways that racism affects people, um, and, but you will hear women of color, they do talk about the different ways they feel their gender versus their race affects them. Right, okay. And like feelings that they have of like why things do and don't happen to them based on their gender or their race. That's interesting. Yeah, it's very different um, in the sense that it's, the, it's different if you're a white woman or a black woman. Yeah. I see that. I don't understand it because I can't experience both, but I definitely see it. <laughs> Well, and it's something, actually, I was just talking with a friend today about this, of, like, this issue of, like, in the hierarchy of oppression, like, um, so, for example, moving to the UK from the US, I learned how much class is a thing, like, of course, class oh, yes, is a thing okay. in the States, but not to the degree and, like, the way it's talked about in the yeah, UK. Sure. Um, and I would have conversations with like white men who basically would say like I don't understand, you know, why we keep talking about like the gender pay gap or the ethnicity pay gap. Like, what about me? Like, I'm a white man. I come from a lower class. I came from nothing. You know, as if like yeah. okay, first we have to fix this class problem and like elevate white men, and then we'll get to the others. So you see those conversations and. Yeah, yeah, it's sure. just a whole other layer. Yeah, sure. And and like the experiences because I'm kind of half and half my my dad's side is working class and my mom's side is middle class, but because she married into working class she's basically disowned. Uh, which is a normal story. That's not that uncommon, uh, in England at least. Um so I see that you know, women of middle class 
or totally different experiments to see what you've got working class. Is it um, the same for men and women? Like if, um, if, if it was swapped, if you're, say your dad was middle class and married into work, does it affect Probably not so much. I don't know. It's a, uh, I think it would be more romanticized. It's an interesting question. I've never thought about it. I think it would be more like, oh, we must really like her. Whereas it's like, oh, she's just can't get on there. Mm. You know, probably, but um, can't actually answer that. Mm. Interesting. I've had to ask other people where it's been like the man. I can't think of any examples, really. Because hmm. I think it's still kind of. I don't know if it is now, but definitely my mum's time, at least, it was more like the man pursues the woman still. So, you know, if, 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 if I guess it comes from this idea that if the woman is going with someone lower class, like I said, like, she can't get someone, she's not being pursued by better people. Mm. Whereas the man, because the man's pursuing, he's like chosen it because he, that's, it's love, and that's what yeah. he wants. It's admirable. It's yeah, I think it would be, you know? Mm -hmm. Hmm. Interesting question. Mm. I, yeah, I, I think about that, too, like with the whole men versus women pursuing in, like, hetero relationships, like, um, uh, I think men these days seem a little like scared to pursue women or like timid of this generation it's, it's, uh, yeah but it's it's the nice ones which is kind of annoying because like they will fight anyway <laughs> in a way like the the ones that are arrogant are still being arrogant but the ones that want to be you know they want they like oh i did you know maybe they didn't realize that women don't always like to be chased which I think is a thing, because if you look at like, films and that, it, that has been the story, like, women like to be chased, you know, and if you just ask once, and then she says no, and you go away, it's like, oh, well, we didn't care enough. It's, it mm -hmm. has been like that for so long, it's only recently that's like, yo, actually, we like to say no, I mean it. <laughs> um, and yeah, it seems to be the guys that are now, the ones that are actually will probably find before I'll be too scared, and then it's kind of it's, it's a weird one because I've got like I guess I'm 30 and I sort of living on this sort of edge. Like it's not. I feel that like teenagers, um, especially like in Europe, generally are kind of like they've grown up with it, so it's just in their norm. But like it kind of started to change when I was about 20, and then I've got friends who are like already in their 40s and like, you know, and, or late 30s and they're single and they're like, they, because it's like this change of men aren't approaching so much, they're associating it with their age. Mm. So they're like, oh, it must be because I'm not attractive. And it's just like, no, I, it's actually men are, some, a lot of men are changing to be more respectful. But um, yeah, they found it really difficult. They just like, I must be ugly now. And, 
that's the thing, it's going to take days. You know, that for as shit as it is, like being pursued, it worked for a lot of women. You know, and I think it's when you got used to and, you know, you, you revolved around that, like how you dress, like you look pretty as possible, that's what you brought up to do. And if you then suddenly also have to change and be more assertive with flirting yourself. Yeah, and I think something that I observe is these men, they like the idea of a woman who pursues them. Like, they like that idea, but in practice, it scares yeah. them. Yeah, it's sure, like, definitely. It's, it definitely, you get it sometimes, but it's like, you do it for a bit, but then it's like, okay, my turn now. And it's like, I was just doing it, it wasn't, it wasn't like a game. <laughs> Yeah, so, it's very interesting, and I think, but I, like I said, I see that the younger generations are taking it on, and, like, that's good. Um, yeah, they, yeah. it's all, I think they're all part of the same conversation, even if they are raised or brought up by parents who are, like, maybe not catching on something about their their peers of just like and through social media like as good and bad as it may be like these conversations it's hard to act a certain way that isn't approved yeah. without having like immediate like pressure from peers on social media it's, it's hard, like I think people need different ways, like some people respond to like, you know, very direct, like you shouldn't do this. But I think for most people it's like just getting used to it, like, you know, instead of telling you you've got to accept men that dress as women, just have more men that dress as women in the media and then people will just get used to it as a normal thing. I think that's, for most people that's more effective. Yeah, yeah. I think that's... <laughs> Coming back full circle, I think that's why when I was studying, I was so interested in like the concept of representation because you can have governments introduce policies, you know, like to to sort of um, look at people's behavior and you know make sure that people have certain protections, and of course, like that's important, but. That doesn't necessarily change like society and how people are, like how they are in their day to day. I think media is this weird thing that shows people how to behave in some ways. People like are they reflect in some ways the media consume, or even the social. It's media. very strong. Yeah, it's very strong, and you know, and you do think like. Especially for the like, you know, really old generation. Sorry, this heart, this heat is starting to. Oh man. Um, like, you know, you th you think like sort of eighty year olds. It's like, you know, it wasn't that long ago where like, if you were gay, it we were like mentally ill, and it was illegal. And you know, actually, if you have someone. It's like 80 and they are 
okay with gay people, but they're like, I'd rather not hear about it. It's like, it's a bit of give and take. Like, so, sometimes I think like people expect too much of this really old generation that actually have accepted a lot of change. Um, and also a lot of old people, they might be going through dementia. Like I've seen things where like, they're like videos of old people being really, really offensive. But it's like, I, I've worked with people with dementia and it's like, I think they actually don't know what they're saying, you know? And I don't think it helps, that helps. Because um, yeah, dementia's like, you know, <laughs> How much can you accuse someone of being racist if they don't even know their name? Yeah, you know, they, so yeah, they lose tra they lose track of themselves, and I'm uh, not a doctor, but you know, they talk about how people with dementia know how to read spells, and they don't know like what time they're in. So yeah, exactly. They revert to thoughts and behaviors of actually like a different time and you think of what they've built up like the filters and adaptations and changes through the years that they know saying these things is wrong at this point but if they're reverting back to a different time yeah and also yeah but it, it also it, like I think, I, yeah a lot of good progress has been made and as much as it's i don't think that means i'll be complacent I do sometimes think it's useful while still saying we've got to do more, we've got to do more, acknowledging how far we've come. Because some of it can just feel like, well, this is just impossible. But if you look at the fact that, like, you know, even like the fact that women have a contraception pill, whether they have to pay for it, like some places give it for free, some places, I think most of Europe is free. In America, it's not free, right? Actually, it is. It is now. Okay. The um, birth control. It, this is off the leftover from the Obama administration. Oh, okay, right. So they only got it free through Obama. Okay. And so it's But even the fact that we have access to it is just insane. Actually, like that's a, that's such a big thing. And women, like what, like if you said that in like the forties, that oh yeah, in like thirty years time, we'll have access to a pill that means they don't have to get pregnant, they're like, you're talking shit, you know? So actually these amazing things can happen and it's sometimes, it's very easy just to focus on what's bad and I think it's useful to actually remind ourselves of how much positive things have happened. Um, yeah, cool. Alright, now we should talk about uh, your shows. I perform some I started off doing some stand-up, and um, my stand-up came from like when I was studying for a master, studying gender media representation, which is a very serious topic. Yeah, it's very serious, but of course you see the absurdities of like the world. <laughs> you know, like you're trying to apply this like academic analysis to things that are just like unfair and sort of these social norms of like, yeah. women in bikinis, you know, like advertising for cars everywhere. And oh yeah. 
you know, this thing where like you don't see a woman's face often, or you know, men look at you and men are doing things, they're working, they're yeah, they are full quote unquote people in advertising or media and women yeah. are kind of like objects. And so applying like academic analysis to that, I, I'm just like To your stand up. Oh no, well this Sorry. is this is what inspired it. <laughs> this is what inspired yeah. your stand up. Okay. And like what do you do with a degree in general media I don't know. Like what I be angry. Yeah, just be angry. <laughs> yeah. Angry, like trying to explain these things. Like you're gonna work in an advertising agency and like go through yeah. like co and like call everything problematic. Like I just don't know. I don't know if that's the space for it. So I just have this idea of like, what if, what if we can bring together these worlds? Like, I felt like I was in this little bubble of us, you know, like a critiquing things to each other and everybody getting upset that we agree with each other, but what do you do with it? And I thought, like, hmm. I just remember you did that advert, you did the slideshow at Snippets. Yeah. And that was, it was very dry. Yeah. I was like, is she trying to be funny? I think I'm pretty sure she's trying to be funny, yeah. but it's so dry. Yeah. And it's like, she could just be being serious. But <laughs> well, I mean, it's yeah. also serious. So. Yeah. yeah. It's hard. I mean, it's hard because, like, I. Oh, let's explain it a bit. Like, so it was basic. What was it? A milk? Was it milk? It was, um, it was a Schwab mixer. So, oh, um, that was it. Yeah. A, that was um, a hand. to get into comedy 
And right, okay. It just, I happened to be there talking to nice. the, the, uh, the owner, Ishmael Dua, was fantastic, and he, um, yeah, it, was, it just seemed to, to make sense with kind of tone, like what they were interested in of doing this. I think it's nice dry. I think it's nice and I mean personally so nice with doing comedy like first of all I was going to just normal comedy clubs and I was just like oh man you know like it's fine like less women sign up and obviously hosts can't do anything about that. There just is always it's a struggle to get equal amount of women. Like if, if there's an equal amount of women they've made effort for that. That's not happening yeah. naturally. So and then it depends what shows you go to because some are like pick and some are more like encouraging new people. But like you can just hear so much more socialistic stuff and just like, oh man, like. And people are not at it. Like even if they don't think it's funny or they think there's something off, they laugh because I think we're conditioned. Yeah. Like we're kind of told like through media what's funny and what's not funny. And like I think. There's two things at play. There's like this humor that just seems accepted, even as things are changing, like things are changing, but that kind of like low hanging laughter, there's that side. But then with women comedians, like I don't see it, they'll try out comedy and, you know, maybe they don't get some first or second time, they don't get all the laughs, they don't hit all the jokes as they wanted. And the, you know the crowd's just not into it, and they do this one or two performances, and they're like, "Well, I guess I'm not funny. I guess it's not for me." Whereas I've heard men after a similar show, and they'll be like, Ugh, "The crowd is off tonight. Like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. They don't think it's them. They say oh, like, oh, night, night, and that's the difference. It's so, never the audience fault. Like, yeah, should you get quiet audiences? Do so you get easier audiences? Don't blame the audience. You know, it's they, because I've seen it so many times. And that's why I'm quite proud. I've, I've been this person once recently, but yeah, so many times, like, every community is doing bad, and they're like, it's the audience. And then someone great will come on, and they'll be laughing their heads off. It's like, see, there's always a way to make them laugh. Because yeah. they want comedy, they've come for comedy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you get the odd person, very rarely, that sits at the front and just crosses their arms. Like, clearly, they've come out just to put comedians off. But that's really rare. <laughs> like, most people want. If they go to a comedy show, they want to laugh. So if you don't make them laugh, that's your fault. Yeah. <laughs> in, yeah. in some respect. In some respect. And it's, you know, yes, there are funny people, there are not funny people, of course. But it's also a craft. Like, it is, yeah. it can get better. You know, if it doesn't go well, you can adjust. And I think there is this thing in society that, like, oh, women aren't funny. Or like women, or if women, for women to be funny, they kind of have to adopt some of the same. I think it's, it's hard for anyone starting out, and I think actually, so Berlin is, I'm commenting on Berlin because that's the main one. And I did a few shows in London, but again, I'm English and I've already got confident. Um, so maybe I would have felt differently about London, but I really enjoyed being in London because it was they got my English humour, which often I struggle with here, they just don't get my English quirkiness. So that's fine, I can work on that, that's something to work on. Um, getting there. But like I think actually Bern is pretty supportive and actually I think a lot of it it 
because there is a lot of support for women. I think what I've learned is actually a lot of it is coming from this idea that a man is, is just internalised to be on stage, that that's a good thing for a man to do, and, you know, to, if they're bad, they don't care, whereas, like, a woman, a woman might have the same experience, like, do just as badly or just as good, and they're a lot harder on themselves, and, yeah, so I think, actually, it's not necessarily the comedy scene, per se, it comes from childhood, of this idea that, you know, you know, the kind of like men will be like, yeah, you can do it more to each other. Women are like, well, don't do it if you don't feel like it. And it's like, often you don't feel like doing it, so you're like, okay, I won't do it then. Whereas men will push each other more. Mm -hmm. So, um, if you really want to do it, just persevere. Because everyone's shit for it, for, you know, at first. <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, that's what I would say to anyone wants to do comedy that's a woman, just you know, don't listen to that internalised, you're a woman, just stay at home and be pretty <laughs> mentality, like, if you want to do something, do it, and people will respond, especially in Berlin, like I said, maybe in New York it's different, or wherever else, I couldn't say. Um, well, and yeah. I think things with my diversity and inclusion hat on, um, my day job, I think people recognize whether they talk about it or not, whether they understand you know, the dynamics of it or the feminist theory on it or not, when you have people with different life experiences, like writing something, making art, doing whatever, making comedy, it's just more interesting because you see inside their head. And like the more people yeah, that exactly. are able to express exactly. their view, like better. And there are some mothers that are doing comedy, and it's like they're hilarious. Of course they are. They have like you know a weird to me because I don't have children, and I never grew up with young children. I was one of the youngest, so I get an insight in what it's like to bring up a two-year-old. I'm like that's so fascinating, and it's you know we want to hear comedy from all people. You know it's great here that. If you don't want to make, do it as a career, you can just do it as a hobby. You can be like, oh, I fancy having a slot once a month. And that's important, you know? Yeah, it's, it's important. It's, a, it's an outlet. But I will say, like, something I noticed when I started doing comedy, I felt like I was less funny in my day to day. Oh, really? <laughs> I, like, used, I used it up. Or, do you still find that? Not necessarily, but it's like, it, it can go either way, I suppose, like sometimes you just like generating humor or finding humor in more things. But yeah, sometimes I can't I can't perform anymore. I find the opposite. I just seem to be a lot more confident socializing. I guess everyone's different. Okay, so your next show is on the twenty third. That's right. October twenty third. And um, I'm, I'm excited. We're gonna we're keeping it going. We have a pretty good lineup. Yeah, we're right. now at a point we have some folks. You know, I've become like a bit of a scout. Like I'll just kind of tap people on the shoulder that I see, and we'll invite them in. And we have some people reach out to us, so I'm 
I was so happy you asked me because I saw this show and I was like, oh, I really like it. I kept missing going. Like, the lineup always looks so good. So yeah, thank you so much. I'm going to do my Jack character, which is like, um, basically, so yeah, it's a, it's a male, but it's a very feminine male. So I'm, it's kind of, I tried it at a, like a, just a normal stand-up and it was just too confusing. Um, but um, I have 10 minutes, right? Yeah. So yeah, so I can, it's definitely not something to do for a four minute, just normal, because it needs a bit of, oh okay, you're a feminine man, yes. but you actually look like a woman, you clearly are a woman. It's a bit confusing, right. but that's the idea that it's confusing. Yes, <laughs> of course, no, yeah, that so, sounds, that is definitely popular comedy yeah, material. And maybe I'll do a drag dance piece and have a Halloween yes. um, song, yes. yeah, like, I don't know, a, Screaming Jay Hawkins or something. Please. Yeah, that would be cool. We, we need to celebrate Halloween. We do. Yeah. That's why I chose as the theme slash graphic representation um, Double Level of Toil and Trouble, which is a 1993 film. Yeah. I, I, I am dying. <laughs> is there anything else you want to add? I um, can't stay here too much longer. It's my point. No, just uh, <laughs> 9 p.m. October 23rd, Capital, come yeah. back for some, some laughs. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, right, let's get out of this hell. <laughs> I mean, if this were hell, it wouldn't be as hell. Well, it's nice. It's, it's a pretty hell, but it's getting a bit... Oh, my God. Oh, it feels so good coming out, though. Oh, man, that is by far my longest sauna session. Okay, so let's say bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye from hell. Bye from hell. Bye. See you next Tuesday. Bitch in Berlin. You can contact me at noseofwax, noseofwax at gmail.com.